I'm Ben Scholes from B. Scholes Farms in Levon, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode for you of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it has been a busy year for crop insurance adjusters. With all of the damage we've had done across this state due to drought, we're seeing a big backlog right now in getting insurance claims processed. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We've had a little moisture in the Texas High Plains recently. Turns out it's doing good things for our winter wheat. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Farm tillage machinery without an operator in the cab. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the latest technology in a report from the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City on autonomous tillage solutions on Texas Ag Today. Cooler temperatures have slowed down pasture grass growth across South Texas. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Crop insurance adjusters have been busy here in Texas this year with all of the crop losses due to drought. Texas Southern Plains farmer Brad Heffington says his adjusters are way behind this year. I've got crop insurance claims haven't even been worked from June yet because they are so far behind. All the insurance people are saying this is a perfect storm. My, my insurance adjuster told me he thought 95% of the policies out here would have some kind of loss. They're overwhelmed. I mean, they hadn't even got the first round of claims done on the cotton that didn't come up. To much less start working on failing the acres that they took out on bulk counts when there was nothing there when it opened. And, and they're still taking cotton out every day. I've never seen them this far behind. I've never not had claims myself not be processed by now from the summer. Heffington says there are so many claims this year, it will just take a while for the insurance adjusters to get caught up. The American Lamb Board is working with the American sheep industry to create a new task force of industry stakeholders and research and extension specialists to develop a sheep sustainability report. Sally Sholey is a Pennsylvania sheep producer, and she sits on the American Lamb Board. She says consumers want to know how sustainable the sheep industry is. Because we believe that is a very important component for consumers who are purchasing food. They want to know, has it been sustainably raised? What's the greenhouse gas level? So we partnered with uh, Michigan State University. They did some extensive research uh, raising sheep across different 
rangeland, pasture land in the east, so rangeland, pasture land, and feedlots, and evaluated greenhouse gas, figured out how to measure it, and measure the impact. The American Lamb Board says its environmental story was added to marketing programs in the past several months, and they're gearing up for more. The Russia-Ukraine grain export deal has been extended for another 120 days. The agreement protects a sea transit corridor that was intended to help alleviate a global food shortage. Ukraine is a major producer of grains and oilseeds and has three ports in Ukraine currently shipping grain. UN's Secretary General says they welcome the agreement by all parties to continue the Black Sea Grain Initiative and facilitate the safe navigation of grain exports, foodstuffs, and fertilizers from Ukraine. The 120-day extension wasn't the one-year deal that the UN and Ukraine wanted, but Russia says the duration seems justified. Recent precipitation is doing good things for the winter wheat crop on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Calvin Trossel tells me much of our area wheat is looking pretty promising. Compared to a year ago, much of the Texas High Plains, I think, is in pretty good shape. A lot of the region here in the Lubbock area moving towards Amarillo, a lot of acres have had in the range of about six inches of rain since the last of August. And so that would contrast to probably about three to four in a typical fall. And so I've seen a lot of wheat that looks really good. Some of it was planted in uh, on early September for grazing. A lot of good growth. I've seen some wheat that's even six and eight inches tall, certainly ready for cattle. So some encouraging news there. But although Dr. Trossel believes much of the area wheat now has enough moisture to carry it into the new year, ultimately more will be needed. When we get towards April or you know into March, when uh, some of the key growth stages that determine what actual yield we're going to get. Having moisture at that time is important. Good moisture, you're going to get a larger head on that wheat. Uh, Poor moisture, the heads are going to be smaller. You may have fewer tillers that produce a harvestable head. So it's no assurance that we will have a good wheat crop when we come to harvest at the end of May and into June of 2023. But if you could draw up a scenario for our producers, this would be the kind of picture you'd like to have at this time of year. Now, since Dr. Trossel did specify his observations were for the area from Lubbock up toward Amarillo, I did check in with extension agents in the northern panhandle where drought conditions remain especially intense. The consensus I got back? Irrigated wheat there doing well, things not as good for dry land, including some that has yet to emerge. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Equipment manufacturers are quickly developing driverless tractors. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at what one of the biggest farm equipment companies is accomplishing on that front. My guest today is Ryan Jarden. He is marketing manager for large tractors and tillage with John Deere. Caught up with him recently at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City. Ryan, you made a presentation to broadcasters about basically driverless farm equipment. Tell us about automated farm machinery that were unveiled at least partially earlier this year. So we first unveiled our autonomous tillage solution at uh, the CES or Consumer Electronics Show in uh, Las Vegas earlier this year. Autonomy is probably one of our 
leading solutions to help work through the challenge of finding enough skilled labor in agriculture to do the jobs when the job needs to be done. You know, we talk to a lot of farmers, a lot of growers throughout the country and around the world who tell us the availability of skilled labor and especially the labor to do the job when it can be done or when the conditions are right for it to be done is probably one of the biggest challenges that they face. So what we did was we set out to develop a uh, system that would run autonomously or run without an operator in the cab. That unlocks the ability for that tractor or whatever the given machine form is to execute a job within a field, within a fixed boundary. That machine can execute that job without somebody in the cab. Therefore, the farmer or who previously might have been the machine operator can become more of a manager, more of a support person, and that job can get done in the field while that farmer is doing something else. And so in a lot of ways, it kind of doubles a farmer's productivity where they can go do something else that's maybe a little bit more higher value added. We started with tillage, started with fall tillage. Most customers told us, hey, that's where they need the most capacity freed up in their operation. That is Ryan Jarden with John Deere. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cooler temperatures are slowing grass growth all across South Texas. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, the cool fronts that have dipped into South Texas here in recent days have certainly dropped temperatures. And uh, in our area, we've been lucky enough to avoid any type of uh, freezing weather. But those cooler temperatures have certainly slowed down the growth of our warm season grasses that we've depended upon for our grazing most of the year here in South Texas. We've had a few light rain showers that have come with some of those cool fronts, but uh, rainfall amounts haven't really totaled up to much more than a tenth or two in most locations. But uh, those heavy rains that came right at the beginning of November did boost some grass growth and certainly helped to improve the body condition scores on cattle going into the late fall. Most cattle are in quite good condition for this time of the year, and pastures remain in very good condition as well. Our row crop farmers have uh, their cultivated acres in very good shape, and most of those uh, producers are now focused on securing their fertilizer and other crop input needs for the season as those prices continue to be quite high. Now, as Thanksgiving approaches, we need to take a moment and everyone needs to express some thanks and appreciation to our farmers and ranchers for all that they do to help provide our food and natural fiber needs each year. It's quite a struggle for them during these inflationary times to eke out a profit because their costs are extremely high And that, of course, results in higher prices for all of us for the food that we buy at the grocery stores. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. The first whooping cranes of the year have been spotted in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And two horses developed injuries during the recent Breeders' Cup in Lexington, Kentucky. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Two horses developed injuries during the recent Breeders' Cup World Championship races in Lexington, Kentucky. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at those injuries. One horse developed a serious pelvic fracture, while the other developed a fracture at the fedlock joint and has already had surgery. Injuries happen to equine athletes just like human athletes, and the Breeders' Cup veterinarians do all they can to prevent injuries and to treat injuries when they occur. These horses are examined initially six months prior to the races, and veterinarians take blood samples and hair samples to make sure no performance-enhancing drugs or banned medications have been used. The Tuesday before the races that are scheduled for Saturday, all horses again are examined by testing blood, hair, and urine samples, and all horses are monitored 24 hours a day. Experienced veterinarians are employed by the Breeders' Cup to examine the horses, And these veterinary teams go to each horse's barn and examine each horse by palpating and flexing the legs, and horses must jog for the vet before being allowed on the track to exercise. Veterinarians are also stationed around the track to observe the horses during training in the mornings, and all horses must be examined before exercising on the track. And on race days, the vets examine every starter in the barns to make sure all horses are 100% healthy and any horse that is found unfit to race will be scratched. Veterinary teams monitor the horses on race day when being saddled as they move to the racetrack and as they jog to warm up going to the starting gate. Again, if any horse is abnormal, it is removed from the race. The veterinarians at the Breeders' Cup do all they can to prevent these injuries. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The first whooping cranes of the year have been spotted here in Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The tallest, rarest birds in North America are making their way to the Texas coast for the winter. On October 21st, the first pair of endangered whooping cranes were spotted on Matagorda Island. Each year, whooping cranes make the 2,500-mile journey from their breeding grounds in Canada to the coastal marshes of Texas. The whooping crane's journey can take up to 50 days, and most are expected to reach the Aransas National Wildlife Refuge in December. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, whooping cranes will seek out wetlands and agricultural fields during their migration so they can roost and feed. They'll pass large urban centers like Dallas-Fort Worth, Waco, and Austin. They rarely stay in one place for more than a day, though, so Texans are encouraged to be on the lookout for the impressive birds as they make their way across the state. TPWD says it is important that the birds are not disturbed or harassed when they make stops during their migration. The cranes are federally protected, so it is illegal to disturb or harass them. Waterfowl hunters are urged to be extra vigilant as sometimes the whooping cranes may be mixed in with flocks of sandhill cranes. Whooping cranes do stand out. They have all-white body plumage with black wingtips. They stand nearly five feet tall and have a wingspan of about seven and a half feet. Their primary wing feathers are black, 
but that is only visible when they're flying. They may appear all white when they're not flying. According to U.S. Fish and Wildlife, there are about 543 individual whooping cranes in the United States. We'll have more on this as the whooping cranes continue their migration to Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We started the week with higher cattle markets on Monday, but the bottom dropped out of the cotton market. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. USDA released their monthly cattle on feed report on Friday, and it was a very friendly report for the cattle market. As a result, cattle futures moved strongly higher today. That report showed the placements number coming in much lower than analysts were expecting. In fact, it's the lowest October placements number on record since the report began back in 1996. That resulted in gains across the board today in both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle up 47 cents at 153.55, February up 87, 156.72, while April live cattle were up 87 at 160.12. Feeder cattle getting a boost from that cattle on feed report as well as a drop in the corn market in Monday's trade. January feeders up $1.85, 182.62, March feeder cattle up $1.97, 185.10. While April feeders were up $1.95 at $188.05. Quiet cash fed cattle trade on Monday, as we usually see. We wrapped up last week selling cattle at a buck higher, $151 here in Texas. Up in Kansas, they saw $152 as a top price. Boxed beef prices mixed on Monday. Choice down 25 cents, $254.62. Select up $1.14 at $233.97. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Colt Adams, his brother and their partner, own and operate El Campo Livestock Exchange. They sell them every week on Tuesday. Colt, how was this week's sale? Man, Mr. Larry, it was really good. We had 1,685 head. That was 291 Packer cows and 13 bulls. And I tell you what, the Packer market, them cows are still bringing quite a bit of money. Good. Walk the pins with us, please. Yes, sir. We, uh, them, them calves under 200 pounds, steer calves bring from $1.90 to 215 2 to 300 pounds bring from $1.55 to 205 3 to 400 pounds bring from $1.69 to $2.40. 4 to 500 pounds bring from $1.68 to 218 
five to six hundred pound steers bring from a dollar fifty three to a dollar eighty five. Six to seven hundred pound steers bring from a dollar forty two to a dollar fifty eight, and over seven hundred pounds bring from a dollar thirty one to a dollar fifty. The heifer mates to them right there at two hundred pounds bring from a dollar twenty to a two ten. Two to three hundred pounds bring from a dollar thirty to two ten. Three to four hundred pound heifers bring from a dollar fifty one to two thirty five. Four to five hundred pound heifers bring from a dollar forty to a dollar ninety five. Five to six hundred pound heifers bring from a dollar thirty seven to a dollar fifty seven. Six to seven hundred pounds dollar thirty six to a dollar fifty four. And them heifers over seven hundred pounds are dollar twenty five to a dollar forty five. I tell you what, the market's really good, Mister Larry. Good, and there won't be a sale this week, I'm assuming. No, sir. I'd love to have one, but in the observance of Thanksgiving, we would like to wish everybody a thank- happy Thanksgiving, and we appreciate everybody's business very much. So we're going to give thanks to all the give all the buyers a break and uh, all the sellers. Uh, we will be back the, the following week. Uh, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Colt. Yes, sir. The easiest way to get a hold of me is on my cell at three six one nine two zero one six one eight, or call my brother Tyler Adams at three six one nine two zero one six or home wrap ratio there at 979-216-8084. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished mixed on Monday. The nearby December was down 42 cents, 83.80. February hogs up 60 at 90.15. Same story with Class 3 milk, a mixed close. The nearby November up a penny, 21.02. December milk down 21 cents at 21.2600 weight. The cotton market dropped sharply lower. The nearby contracts limit down 400 points. Continuing fears about COVID-19 lockdowns in China over the weekend. Large sections of Beijing were locked down. Same story in other big Chinese city as well. That affected a lot of our commodity markets. Also seeing a higher U.S. dollar as a result of that. So all of that weighing heavily on the cotton trade Monday. December cotton dropped the limit 400 points, 81.16. March cotton down 400 points, 79.78. December 23 cotton down 249 points, closing at 76.47. The corn market closed lower in Monday's trade. Slow export sales continue to plague this corn market. We've been seeing that for the last several weeks. Problems moving grain down the Mississippi River, also a factor in dropping corn prices. And that higher dollar that we mentioned on cotton, it was also affecting the corn market on Monday. So we finished lower with the nearby December corn contract down eight and a quarter, six fifty nine and a half. March corn down six and a half, six sixty three and a half. The wheat market steady to slightly lower. December Kansas City wheat unchanged, nine thirty four and a quarter. December Chicago wheat down four. At seven ninety nine and a quarter in the energy markets, December natural gas up forty three cents at six seventy three. December crude oil dropped thirty four seventy nine seventy four a barrel. The financial markets slightly lower Monday afternoon. The Dow down forty six points at thirty three thousand six ninety eight. The Nasdaq down one hundred twenty points eleven thousand twenty five. The S and P down sixteen at three thousand nine forty eight. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. 
Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.